You're listening to a podcast from Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. This is the sermon recording from this week's service. And now, for this week's sermon. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be found acceptable to you, O God. Amen. We've probably all read or seen imaginative stories about some post-civilization time. The first one I came across was H.G. Wells' novel, The Time Machine. That and many others were fiction, but in recent decades, we've got closer to that fiction becoming reality. As a reminder, listen to part of a letter published in The Guardian on the 31st of August, written in response to a suggestion that in 500 years' time, scholars would be considering how the devastation of the world was allowed to happen. It goes, in 500 years' time, there will be no human communities, small, scientific, scholarly, or otherwise, to consider what happened in the 21st century. The ecosystem required to support a complete, a complex species such as ours will have been eliminated by the biodiversity crash, insectageddon, the climate crisis, and the mass release of global warming gases from dying forests, Arctic permafrosts, and the deep oceans. In 500 years from now, the crumbling remains of our cities and towns will be ruled by cockroaches and rats, who of course have no capacity to investigate the catastrophe that rendered us extinct. This, if nothing else, reminds us that while we need the earth, the earth does not need us. It also reminds us of our reliance on the dynamic system that has kept our planet fit for life for over three billion years. But without us, it would go rolling on with some other forms of life surviving. 500 years on is a long time, so perhaps what happens then is not our business. Perhaps we need not bother about it. As I've said, the earth itself will survive, and the people who come after us, well, What are they to do with us? And anyhow, they might find a way around the problem, one that we haven't thought of. But listen to Greta Thunberg, the Swedish girl who started the school strikes against climate change, who recently sailed across the Atlantic and who has made a powerful impression in front of many audiences. She was speaking at the World Economic Forum in January this year. She said, our house is on fire. I am here to say our house is on fire. According to the IPCC, that's the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, according to the IPCC, we are less than 12 years away from not being able to undo our mistakes. And in February, she told a European Economic and Social Committee, referring to young people, There is simply not enough time for us to grow up and become the ones in charge. 
because by the year 2020, we need to have bended the emissions curve steep downwards. That is next year. Rather different from the 500 years of the Guardian letter. In our first reading, we heard one of the Bible's creation myths, a story not literally true, but with deep truth in it. We heard about everything being created, being created by the word of God. God said, let there be such and such, up to the point when humans were made. It's as if the scene is being set, as if the scene has to be set. It's making the point that human beings need light, earth and water, vegetation, fruit and trees, lots of living creatures, and all the interrelationships amongst what has been created. And where do humans fit into this picture? It's claimed that we are here as stewards of the rest of creation. We're going to think about that in a few weeks' time. But consider, stewards in clubs and ships and big households are part of the management structure. In the story, God blessed people he had created. God blesses. And we are made, so we are told, in God's image. So there's another way of looking at our relationship with things. Are we a blessing to the rest of creation? Surely that possibility suggests a more profound relationship than being a steward does. In our Gospel reading, again we have someone writing about creation. After saying that the Word was God, he says, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. It is this gospel's claim, of course, that the man Jesus was that word, the expression of God as a human being. Remember, God said, let there be. Anyway, we've got this earth, and we should be well aware that we can be a blessing to the rest of creation, remembering that the alternative is to be a curse. Several times in our first reading, we heard after a particular bit of creating, and God saw that it was good. Later in the Old Testament scripture, we have our choice put very clearly. This time it's Moses, the great lawgiver, <coughs> speaking to the people of Israel. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse, Therefore, choose life, that you and your descendants may live. Shades of Greta Thunberg, that schoolgirl. She accuses us of choosing death. Surely, though, in principle, in principle at least, it's not difficult to apply the choice we have to our relationship with the rest of the world around us. In the light of all that I've said, can we praise the Creator? We have so many gifts, but the earth is so fragile that our use of these gifts is causing it to become uninhabitable. Do we praise God for that? Perhaps God should have made everything rather more resilient, to use a currently fashionable word. But to argue that is to assume knowledge that we cannot possibly have. In all our thinking about God, we have to acknowledge that anything we say or believe ends in mystery. We cannot define God. 
God is infinite in every respect. And it would be a contradiction in terms to say that we could define the infinite, the infinite. So how can we think of God? Again, in the Hebrew Scriptures, we read words put into God's mouth when Moses feels the call to lead his people away from slavery in Egypt. Moses says, who shall I say sent me? And the answer is, I am who I am. I am has sent you. I find it quite overwhelming when I am told of some new discovery in space, and I cannot begin to understand the complexities of what scientists hint at. I remember asking an eminent astrophysicist how I might understand the concept of nothing. It's just beyond me. All he could say was, there might be 11 dimensions, or perhaps 27. If we cannot understand the idea of nothing, we cannot ultimately understand the idea of God. God is pure being. I am who I am. Or perhaps, I will be what I will be. Another possibility is, I let be what I let be. The biblical Hebrew can be translated in various ways. And this pure being, which we think of as spirit, though that's a limiting term, is, we believe, of eternity. No beginning, no end, just isness. But Christians also believe that the source of all being that we call God is in a relationship with creation. An important New Testament writer claims that God is love, and those who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. I think that gives us cause to praise our Creator. And when it comes to God, praise is not a matter of saying, you've done a nice job, or you're pretty good, you know. But virtually anything we say to God is inadequate, bland, banal. If God is infinite, God is greater than anything of which we can conceive. Rather like the universe, or is it the multiverse, or is it what? Only more so. I think we have to allow ourselves to be overwhelmed by the mystery, the mystery of pure being that yet loves us and, we can believe, invites us to choose life by cooperating with that love. Perhaps we need to think about how we can be a blessing to the rest of creation. For Christians, Jesus serves as a model. In the name of God, he gave priority to the most vulnerable of people. He was willing to love them and to give them the practical, his practical compassion, even to the point where doing this bucked the system that the people, so bucked the system that the people in power crucified him. But before that, comes who we are. We have to remember the priority of our being before being useful. We are very much of a piece with the rest of creation, what we are made of, our genetic code, and so much more. So how do we praise our Creator? Thanksgiving is very close to praise, and we are encouraged to give thanks in this communion service. Another word for communion, when in, for the communion service, is Eucharist, which means thanksgiving. So we can give thanks for creation, for the fact that we are very much part of creation, 
and we can offer ourselves to God as people ready to be a blessing to everything else that has been created, be it animal, vegetable, or mineral. This idea is summed up in a prayer I often use before a communion service. You might like to say amen to it. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful people. Kindle in us the fire of your love. Come and we shall be made, and you will renew the face of the earth. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. To find out more about what we do, head across to our website, www.northernlightsmcc.org.uk.